0: Texas talking oh, What was that, that you said? Texas talking. Gonna hoop up your head. Texas talking Hi and welcome to the Tribcast. This is State Representative Drew Springer. When I'm driving through the 22 counties of House District 68, I take comfort in knowing wherever I stop to shop, I can get a plastic bag to carry my purchases. And now here's your host. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the third week of September. Thank you for that Austin bag band reference. I'm sure one man that was very impressed with it is executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Threw you for a loop there. Do you see what he
1: did there? He zigged. I thought, yeah, exactly. I thought he was going
0: to zag. CEO and editor-in-chief Evan Smith is also here.
1: I, I actually am uh, irritated by
2: the bag band.
3: What? I love the bag ban. I thought he was yeah, mentioning
2: plastic bags because he was throwing up over the trip cast, but that's just me.
1: That's usually where those oh. intros end up—vomiting exactly. over the trip cast.
0: You also heard the voice of reporter Becca Aronson. Hello, pro bag ban, <laughs> bag ban advocate, bag ban Becca. I don't like the bag ban. <laughs> Don't carry your. You
2: don't carry your Whole Food and your it's Central not, Market bags not that in the back. I don't of the car. mind uh-huh.
1: that. I, no, I do, but I forget them sometimes. And the worst problem is actually not the supermarkets. Is you go into a restaurant to take food out at the lunch hour, for instance, but right. they're no, And they they're say, not say most people just go go say we're not going to give you a bag. You have to pay sixteen cents if you want to have but a bag to carry your sandwich. Aren't included
3: bag. in the bag, ban. They're, well, they're lying.
1: Then someone this should is, tell Annie's on Congress. They should. Oh, I should that's tweet not out the phone number. They make me pay sixteen cents for a bag.
0: This is not one of our first world problems by the way. We should, we should warn listeners that this whole episode is embargoed until next week. <laughs> yes, so, until
1: 9 a.m. tomorrow. So but please, you can tweet about it. Until that jerk Michael Lee breaks the embargo.
0: Yeah, you can tweet about it using the hashtag Tribcast, but other than that, please don't tell anyone. Uh, okay, embargo. Of course, okay. we are referring to what, Becca? Uh,
1: He's zigging again. <laughs> He's
0: doing it again. Wendy
3: Davis's non-announcement announcement, that she is going to announce something. Weeks from now.
2: They sure got a lot of attention for a nothing burger. I
1: what mean, is she announcing? Well, let's back I up. I money by switching to Geico? What's she announcing? Well, well she, we can
3: ask her at Tribune Le- Festival. I stayed Festival. at the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> I
1: will be asking her. Be I, little, in fact, at Tribune Festival, I'm going to sit there and say, we're waiting four days. I'm not letting anybody be leave. be a green lizard in pink shoes. and Whatever day Geico it is, commercial. I don't care. What it's gonna, we're going to wait until October 3rd until you announce.
0: Okay, can we go back a little bit? No. Last night, Last night, which was Tuesday night, members of the media got... An email from the Ray Wendy Hamilton's Davis campaign
1: <laughs> that said Just make those wavy lines. Flashback,
2: <laughs> flashback.
0: That said, that she would be announcing that she is going to announce on October third what she is going to do.
2: But the announcement of the but, announcement right, was embargoed. Announce
0: but you could not announce the announcement of the announcement until nine a.m. today. Unfortunately, that plan didn't work out. And do we no. think this was a failure on the campaign's part or a? Uh, doesn't Ross Rock,
2: thinks they're crazy like a fox? It doesn't matter. I, mean, I think they screwed up, but I also think they learned something really important here. I think you know they so they they told everybody you can't tell everybody, don't tell anybody something, and because they start twittering, they told not only the press to embargo this, they told supporters, they told apparently the Democratic Party, they told some of their donors. Tomorrow morning, Wendy is going to announce that. On October 3rd, she is going to announce what we can't tell you yet. Right? So this is supposed to be a story. It's barely a tweet. And... I think oh, I, I, st- I completely disagree with you. Well, that
1: it is such a tweet, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> all, <laughs> although, <laughs> although <laughs> this, this is our this is, is, is our long-standing Well, and this is dis- exactly this
0: is exactly what news, I'm talking about. Right, she yeah. got everybody revved up. She's like t- I thought it was I, she's
2: like, totally new. She's like the iPhone 6 oh. all of a
0: sudden. See, I disagree with Ross for different reasons. I don't think she did get everybody revved up. I think it sort of was like letting out letting the air out of the balloon a little too slowly, including waiting for, for October 3rd is well, but I disagree
2: with you also. She did get everybody Everybody's everybody's everybody tweeted all night last night and then all the, she all did. the media outlets, including this one, have stories this morning. I and mean, you know, you know the worst that, that worked for her
1: like a champ. That the instructions were don't talk about this, but then it came out that the instructions were actually you can tweet about it, but you can't write about it. Right. What? Excuse me. <laughs> Except to Ross's point, though, they kind of got something so, out of it, times ten. Right. The Washington Post has a story today saying. Wendy Davis is going to announce on October third. Every news organization in Texas stampeded toward writing about. I mean, this is We're they here got
3: talking about it.
1: Huge right. press,
2: huge press. World's most this. famous air guitar player, right? It's, yeah, I mean, you know, they, it's it's barely a thing. But no, here, they, it's a thing. It's much more. Well, than we Well, disag- we thing. disagree on that. Yeah, um, it's a thing. So, so the announcement that she's probably going to run for governor came at a Freedom of Information Foundation luncheon in austin in august i'm going to be announcing in two weeks our then, last then disagreement. her father a, cu- then, a couple, well, of weeks. couple of weeks but fine yeah we, a couple we, of weeks we've already fought about that and then we. her father got sick and ultimately died and that put off the announcement but this is the pending situation with wendy davis has they've managed to turn it into four or five stories and now six
0: but can you sustain, Will that energy sustain? And is she not running the risk of getting like there are other people waiting in the wings to get in and start do we, campaigning? Do we get and announcement money. fatigue? Yeah, I already <laughs> have announcement fatigue. No,
2: they'll, they'll, you have fatigue about everything. They'll, they'll come out next week. <laughs> I have Evan the, Smith the, fatigue. The, that, the, that is for sure. The, get in line, buddy. <laughs> the announcements will start. You know the the filing period. I got to correct something I said last week. The filing period is. November 9th to December 9th. It had been in previous years December to early January, but the filing period for candidates this year is November 9th to December 9th. So Davis will come out on October 4th and say if she says anything other than I'm running for governor, I'll be stunned. Uh, oh my god, she's totally running. So so she's going to say I'm I running think- for governor, then we'll see Democrats either fall in line into the other offices or not, uh, which is, you know, kind of interesting. And then by November 9th, people will start filing and we'll have full tickets by December 9th. So you know, it's kind of the races that generally start around Labor Day are now finally the, getting going. The reason that
1: this is significant is it's not Farouk Shami saying, I'm going to announce on October third.
2: <laughs>
0: no, because he's re- waiting to see what Wendy Davis does. Is.
1: The reason it's significant is that for the first time in twenty years the Democrats will have a candidate if she does indeed run who will register more than a flat line
2: on the monitor. Right, but you can how, say that how many times? This is the fifth time they've said exactly that. But the,
1: for the
3: de- first but,
2: time and
1: but you know th- and
3: how much is it outside of Texas that she's really getting all of this attention? A,
1: a lot and and yeah. it's, it's an excellent point because her fundraising will be greater than the combined fundraising of the last three gubernatorial candidates in places like San Francisco and New York and Washington. But does that which mean Dave Carney and team Texas. will run yeah, against I mean, her. She has a lot they own money. vote.
2: Now now we're back now we're back to my point. This is working for them. Like, I mean they may have screwed yeah. up and I I think they probably did screw up last night, you know, uh, but it's working. So, I,
1: I'm curious to see who her team is. If
2: they moved it to, it to October this, 5th, the, the announcement would we have another announcement? Announcement? Well, maybe announcement? so. Is there going to oh, well? That'd I'm, be a big story. K- kind of sorta. Is there going to be? It depends on whether this is embargo. <laughs> is
1: there going to be the same team in place for this campaign as has been the team around her efforts
2: so
0: far? Well, can, can you put together a Democratic team that is one statewide?
2: has a history of winning statewide candidates? You can. They're all my age, and they haven't run a campaign that won statewide since, you know, the day. But um, I'm not sure that's the team you'd put together. The question here is whether the people who got her to the Senate in a district that she wasn't supposed to win in are the same people who ought to run a statewide campaign. This is, you know, uh, Matt Engel, J.D. Angle, you know, uh, well, a, a, bu- a, bunch of, a bunch of people but, who are, have a particular expertise at southern tarrant and southern dallas county races kind of the the old marty frost machine and, and their progeny and and they've won some house races and they've done a fairly good job they haven't run a statewide campaign in a long time they or, certainly haven't won a successful
1: or are there a new generation of people who have been off the field right. the jason johnsons and the john drogans and that john mcclellans the people who ran the, on the democratic campaign side, right. on the democratic side is there a bench that we're just not seeing like Teresa Guerra. Well, there's been no opportunity for the bench to well, be yeah, activated. They've,
2: they've, they've, run, they've run some successful or, district campaigns in, in the House and in the Senate. Or
1: is there an effort to nationalize this election Right. and do the – does the modern-day equivalent of James Carville and Paul Begala right. or does the actual James Carville and Paul Begala or people of that caliber right. come in and say Wendy Davis is lightning in a bottle? An opportunity to embarrass Republicans in Texas. They still hate Rick Perry, those Democrats do. They want to come in. They figure they're going to hurt Rick Perry. They're going to hurt Greg Abbott. They're going to build her brand. They're going to help the battleground Texas people kind of get traction here by raising the voter turnout right. levels and by the raising the Democratic ceiling from the last couple cycles. And so they import – the big dogs who come in. I mean, I'm not sure that's it's, at all successful, but some of that depends on, that's a possibility. Some of that
2: depends on the money. If I'm, if I'm contributing a lot of money to the Wendy Davis campaign, I'm either in Texas or not in Texas, I say, you know, okay, so what am I investing in? Let me see the business plan. Who are these guys? And, and you know, that, those conversations are going on. So if you're, you know, one of those donors, you have some say in, you know, I want to see a team that can do X, Y, Z, or that can so, demonstrate this he, or that. I think that conversation is underway.
1: David Pluff comes in. Is the response from Democrats here great, the cavalry's arrived, and is the response from Republicans great,
2: Obama's guy
1: is here, we now tie Davis to Obama?
2: Well, yeah, if it's David Plouffe, that's what exactly what they do. Right. Every Republican in the state, all the way down to city council, is running against the president. That's true. It's a midterm election, he's unpopular in Texas, this is, this is easy, politics 101. So, you know, I don't think that really enters into it so much as, you know, if, if you were going to prosecute a successful campaign in texas as a democrat who who can do this and i i think the question is sort of a hanging question because nobody's done it for so long there's not a there's not an easy answer to that who ran the richards campaign
1: the last successful right who, who was elected in 94 for the democrats we always say that the last statewide democrat elected was Bob bullock was elected in 94 and, right. Mor- and dan morales was
2: elected 94 dan morales john sharp so who, ra- who ran
1: those who ran those campaigns
2: uh, that's when McKinnon was a Democrat. <laughs> that's how long ago it was, <laughs> right? Back in the well, Pleistocene age. Bullock's guys, Bullock's guys were McKinnon and Matt Dowd, um, who right. you know then turned and number of Democrats in that group zero well, today, right? 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 So I mean, everybody moved on, and and you know, even if the Democrats had been winning in Texas all this time, we would have changed generations of consultants by now. We'd have a new generation. You know, they were the young guys in the '80s, and then you know you get. You get replaced. So the question here is whether there's anybody who is in the state who knows how to do this, or if there's anybody from out of the state who can bring skills they learned elsewhere and and make this work in Texas. And you know, interestingly, people who ran
1: people who ran successful statewide campaigns in other states in in an adverse environment. Right. People who ran Joe Donnelly's campaign in Indiana for the Senate or ran Claire McCaskill's campaign in Missouri this last time for the Senate, Right. or ran John Hickenlooper's campaign for governor in Colorado. Some combination of people who might have worked
2: on those. But, things. but so we have some recent experience with this. You know, Kay Hutchison tried to run a statewide campaign in Texas with a bunch of people from she
1: other states. She imported people from out of town. Right. That was an issue in the race.
0: Right. But there's not just Wendy Davis running, of course. Uh, what about the other Democratic candidates. Do they have to worry about who their teams are and do they have to wait? To name some? Now that Wendy Davis has announced that she is going to announce on October 3rd, do they have to wait to announce their plans to see what her plan is or or can they go ahead and get in the race? Like, obviously, Leticia vianna is positioning herself to run for something.
2: She's talking about it. She's got some family issues that are going to keep her tangled up for at least a week to 10 days and so... Any announcement she makes, I think, probably will come after Wendy's announcement. She told me that she needs to talk to her family first. And, you know, they've had some family illnesses and some deaths in the family that, that they need to deal with. Um, so I think she waits a little bit. They haven't. There haven't been a lot of names mentioned for Attorney General. Carlos Uresti, who's a state senator from also from San Antonio, has talked to some people about it. I hadn't heard that, really. Um, you know, there's there's some names getting kicked around. And, and the question is— if, Does he have a four-year term? I think that's right. See, yeah. part, part of this, of
1: course, is that Van de Peet has a four-year term, so there's no risk in her running right. for so lieutenant if you lose, governor. Right, so if you lose a statewide race, you're still, still a senator. Right. But although, instantly, as Ross pointed out to me yesterday, the challenge for her with a four-year term is she runs for lieutenant governor and she loses to the guy who's going to be her boss. Right, and suddenly she's the vice chairwoman of the kiss my butt committee in the next legislative session. Well,
0: as you know, her current her current committee that she chairs is apparently not important. Unimportant, cor- according to oh, Lieutenant Governor David Dewhurst.
2: Well, yeah, he was in a he was at a forum in Houston. Patty Hart uh, covered this and, and did a really nice job for the Houston Chronicle. Apparently, Dan Patrick said, "You know, I'll tell you one thing and if, another thing." If I'm you? if I'm the lieutenant governor, there won't be a bunch of Democrats chairing committees. And Dewhurst's reply to that was. Essentially, you know there are 17 committees in the Senate, and only five of them are run by Democrats, and none of those are important. It's not your best Dewhurst impression. Well, no, it's not. The the, the three things wrong with that is there's actually 18 committees. There's six headed by Democrats, and which uh,
1: committee did he forget?
2: Yeah, exactly. Oops. The really unimportant. Um, well, one. he left out. He, I mean, the the committees. You know, some of them are you know sort of junker committees. But you know, you're talking to the Republicans on those committees as well as the Democrats, and the the you know junker committees. Yeah, they're not the greatest. Committees. Like the Buick, the
1: eighty-eight Buick with an right. exhaust problem.
2: Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah, yeah, the seventy-three. Which is that exactly? The seventy-three Datsun. <laughs> but the one the Vanderbu chairs is the, the Veterans, Veterans Affairs, Affairs, Veterans Affairs, Affairs Homeland. and Homeland and military military installations. installations. Pardon me, right? Yeah. Uh, John Whitmire chairs criminal justice. Jurisprudence is in this bunch. Oh, it's I'm like,
1: sure Whitmire was fine with that. Yeah, I'm sure his Cheerios
2: are still it's all over the problem. wall in the it's breakfast fine. room. He loved it.
1: Um, no, it's hilarious. Oops. I mean, I, I, I uh, don't you feel bad, for Lieutenant Governor, at the moment on this stuff? I do. I think
2: he's one of our most prolific content providers. He is.
0: <laughs>
1: David Dewhurst, Christmas every day. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, well, exactly. It, yeah. yeah.
0: Let's talk about other Republicans that are running for things. Specifically, uh, Tom Pawkins, Since I haven't talked to him this week,
1: it was really fun to talk to Tom Pawkin. But I will say that for who's Tom Pawkin? Tom Pawkin <laughs> is the former chairman of the Texas Workforce Commission, former Reagan administration White House staffer, Vista former proper. right? Was it, I thought it was Action. One of those acronym programs. And then um, uh, he was also chairman of the Texas Republican Party in the mid '80s, at a time when he says the party. Uh, kind of came back or grew. It's his, his claim is that in his in his time as chairman, the party uh, revived. Uh, he was appointed by Rick Perry in, uh, in 2008 to the Workforce Commission. He was appointed chairman of the Workforce Commission. He served as chairman until 2012. He served as a member of the commission until 2013. Back in 06, when he had the opportunity to join a lot of other Republicans in stampeding no, in 2010, pardon me, when he had a, a chance to, uh, to stampede toward Kay Bailey Hutchison as an alternative to Rick Perry. He supported Rick Perry in that race. But he's, he's now uh, uh, singing a different tune. He has issues with Rick Perry's time as governor, and, and he has issues with Greg Abbott as a candidate. And so he's entered this, uh, the race for governor as a Republican. He is daring to challenge uh, Greg Abbott for governor. And, you know, he's a very conservative guy. Uh, you'd think that there would not be significant differences in a Republican primary between two self-described conservatives. They're all pro-life. They're all this. They're all that. They differ on something.
2: They're making kind of a you know it's interesting. You know, Pawkins would ordinarily be like the insurrectionist candidate, except he was part of the Perry administration, yeah. and he's and he and he argues that the party ought to return sort of to the Reagan years. So you've kind of got the current traditionalist, you know, in Perry and. Abbott, and Abbott running against you know he's running against him not as you know an says, outsider says, but as an insider from a previous era. I, like I don't the, think the Greg Reagan Abbott is a
1: real conservative. In fact, he even said, I think Greg Abbott is a fraud. Right. Really? How how far do you have to go to find people who think that Greg Abbott is not conservative? I mean, that's it, it, he's
0: it's a, it's a very long con. He's challenging
1: he's <laughs> challenging quite the quite the commonly held perception there that Abbott is adequately conservative. So there are four principal differences that he named the other day in the conversation we had the Austin Club. One was Abbott believes that the state system of financing public education is constitutional. Parkinson thinks it's unconstitutional. He wants to see a swap out of the property tax for an increase in the sales tax. Right. Revenue neutral, he says, although, as I said to him the other day, you know, all anybody on the Republican side is going to hear is blah, 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 increase tax, taxes, right. blah, blah, right? Uh, Abbott is opposed to term limits. Palkin is for them. I can't think of a campaign that's ever been won
0: on that issue.
2: Right.
1: Abbott is against the American Airlines U.S. Air merger. Pocock is for it on the grounds that it would create jobs for Texas, and he thinks there that goes that Tom
0: Pocock siding with Wendy Davis again. That's that's an interesting right. fight up in Dallas Abbott Fort Worth. Abbott has leapt I mean, into a, the
1: arms
2: of Eric Holder, according to Pocock. That's an interesting fight up in right. Dallas Fort Worth. I mean, on one side you've got the state, you know, Abbott arguing that, and and actually arguing alongside the Justice Department of the Obama administration that. This is anti-competitive and will lead to higher fares. And then you've got sort of the on-the-ground version of this is, you know, wait a minute. If you don't allow this merger, you're going to cost us a bunch of jobs. So, right. So that's that's one right. difference. That was kind of interesting.
1: Right. And, and, and then that,
0: that be, people will frame it as, you know, is he like for the law or against the law, right? I mean this is a guy it, who sued the federal
1: government every single day for the last – 10 years. I, I get mean, up in the morning, I see the Obama administration. I go like, hard, It's hard to paint him like, as, right. as, as an Obama a Democrat. But anyway, so Palkin's going to make the difference uh, on that issue, uh, a, a big issue in the campaign. And then the last thing he says is crony capitalism. And he cites specifically Abbott's service on the SIPRIT board. Right. He says he claims Abbott never attended any of the meetings, but then he ended up taking $3 million from, from people who received grants from Cyprit, I believe. And, uh, you know, that, that crony capitalism charge was attempted to be leveled against Perry by both Hutchinson and White in the last campaign, got no traction at all.
2: Yeah, his best argument at the moment may be that this argument that you know Abbott would be a continuation of the Perry administration. Aren't we tired of that? And I don't know if he could sell that. I don't know if he's got He
1: apparently told the Dallas Morning News after the interview with me on the same day that he thinks
2: that Davis can beat Abbott. Had a 40 percent chance of beating Abbott, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When but, the weathermen say 40 percent, it's almost assuredly going to rain somewhere.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, P- Parkin would 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 run in the fall competitively against Davis because this is a state in which, as long as you have an R next to your name, that that's, that's positive right. I I just don't think that. I mean, the, the suggestion that somehow Davis is going to beat Abbott because, as Parkin says, Abbott is an an unauthentic or inauthentic conservative seems like a stretch to me.
0: So, so do you think the you know what role does he play in the race? Is there, is there any reason for him to be running? Or is, I mean, does it
2: well, I mean, if he gets any if he gets any traction at all, um, he can change the issue set that they're talking about. I you mean, know they may it may change the state's position or Abbott's position on American Airlines. It may change. You know, I mean, there's a million there's a million things like that. And
1: if Abbott has a macaca moment, then Pawkin is there to be the beneficiary. He's the right. one standing there as the alternative i mean the likelihood of abbott who's right. so cautious anyway saying anything at all that would get him into trouble this is the much only name
3: recognition as abbott has in the state i know plenty of people that still don't know who he is right and they love so pocket and well they might not know who either republican candidates are
2: <laughs> well right
1: right
3: but they might know who wendy davis and is. abbott's <laughs>
1: right. run successfully statewide five times right I and mean, that's the thing he's he's he is clearly a no, well-known quantity right now, right, the right now the
2: only charismatic candidate in the governor's race is wendy davis she's yeah. not even in right right she's in it um uh, There'll be an announcement. We can't say that yet. Ross, yeah, October third. Ross hear, is I'm living in the future. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the question for Abbott and Pockin is just like Becca says. I mean, you know, which of these guys is going to rise to the level that voters know who they are and know what they're about? And then if you look at their bank accounts, it's clear that Pockin is miles and miles and miles and miles ahead in that. He's got 23 or $24 you mean, million. You mean dollars. Abbott. I'm sorry. He's got 23 or $24 Pocken, million. by the way, is going to edit Pocken. out that part of the podcast and yeah. say – it's awesome. I have yeah. Twenty-four million dollars—greatest ba- thing we ever happened. Hawkins has less than a million. He doesn't have enough money to get in front of enough voters to tell them, "Here's my name and here's what I'm about." And you don't that's, think
1: that's Trip Live problem.
0: did
2: that? Maybe it will.
1: <laughs> I could I could name all the people in the room, but uh, he might have persuaded. It does
0: it does seem like the only the only chance for a macaca moment, as you said, for Abbott is if he uh, tweets something poorly. Twitter seems to be the Achilles heel of that campaign.
1: He's now apologized. In essence, twice.
0: Right. Well, but then Dave Carney went off and uh, did his uh, Wendy Davis is too stupid to be governor tweet. Well, that's well, a lot referring that. That's the second yeah. one. Oh. <laughs>
1: right. The first one was retard Barbie, right? Right. Again, said by somebody else. I mean, it's, you, you wrote a great story at the time talking about how Twitter was this third rail for a lot of politicians, and that's continued to be proven. Right. I'm all thumbs. Oh, my right. God. <laughs> um,
0: Let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. Let's, let's try to throw some policy into this thing if we can. And that's why Beck is here. Uh, can you give us an update on the, uh, the state's approach to health care?
3: Yeah, so Perry basically laid out some cards on the table this week saying what he's going to do um, in response to federal health reform. I mean, of course, we know he's against Medicaid expansion. We know he's against the exchanges. Um, but now we know what he's going to do about it. He's basically said we're going to pursue a block grant, which has been an idea that's been up in the air for a long time that we talked about in the session, but everyone just said, "No way, not under the Obama administration, we're not going to get it." So we didn't actually go for it. And now he's saying, well let's let's fight for it, even you know if it's just for politics sake.
0: Is there legislation that didn't get passed that would have made that process easier, or is there legislation that was passed that would make that process easier?
3: Uh, well we've we've done it in the past we've pursued legislation I mean he can basically tell the state agency the Health and Human Services Commission we want to go for this waiver and they'll go for it um, The other thing that he did this week is he told the Department of Insurance um, that he wants to set up regulations for the Federal Navigator program and those are the people that we've received eleven million dollars from the feds to train to help people enroll and find private coverage through the health insurance exchange. So the federal
2: employees that he wants the state to regulate or how does it work? Yes.
3: And other states have also tried to do this and set up um, laws to regulate the navigators Um, basically because, you know, we have, we're in charge of our own insurance system. It's a state regulated thing. So we can do some of the things that he wanted to do. Some of the things are going to be forbidden under federal law that he's requested. So there's going to be a a conflict there. Um, And You know, he's raised privacy concerns. So did the legislature. They passed a bill authorizing the TDI to... um, Texas Department
0: of Insurance. Yeah, the Texas Department of
3: Insurance to regulate the navigators. So the legislature has approved this move. Um... And, and
0: the navigators, this is like your orbits style guide through the insurance process. Yeah, exactly. Right?
3: Except it's a little bit more complicated than Travelocity or Orbits because you like have kayak.com. Because well, <laughs> you have to put your tax information in there. And right. so they're handling your social security numbers. You have to estimate how much money you think you're gonna make um, in order to figure out if you're gonna be eligible for subsidies. And so a lot of conservatives, including Greg Abbott, um, who also sent a letter to the feds on this, have said they don't go. They don't undergo enough training to really make sure that people's private information is secure. And so we want the state to give them an extra 40 hours of training on top of the 20 hours the feds are giving them. Is that based We want them to take a test, and we want to have a more rigorous process, and we want to have more oversight in actually what they're
0: doing. Are there are there assertions that they they don't receive enough training to know how to use private information based on anything other than sort of a desire to add this training? I mean, it seems to me like the state we've had a number of. Uh, Private information leaks from our state government right. come out in the last oh, yeah. few years, right. and
3: I mean, there's already a Medicare program that's exactly like this that, so, that we've never raised any issues. Why did they,
2: they wait so long to set up the navigators, and why did the state wait so long to start raising questions about it and ask for the waiver and all of this? I mean, this thing's upon us. This, this, you know, the start of this program is upon us. We've known it was going to be upon us for at least two years.
3: You know, I think that he – I think that they held back on the Navigator thing. They we were I'm, waiting to
0: see what Wendy Davis well, was going okay, to say.
3: Well, okay. So the, yeah. <laughs> there's a six-month enrollment <laughs> period that starts October 1st and goes to March 31st. Right. But on January 1st, you can actually start buying the plans. And so they want to get these new regulations – Perry uh, and his his office, want to get the new regulations for the navigators in effect by January 1st. So right now, all of these groups are training their navigators. But if come January 1st, right when they can actually start helping people really purchase the plans, they get this huge roadblock. Oh, wait, all of you guys need to have 40 extra hours of training and you have to pass a certification test. Like, you're really going to mess up their system, you know, and you can't give them enough time to prepare for it if you do it right at the very end.
0: So is this more? Uh, how big is the political element of this?
3: It's huge. Plan? It's yes. a huge political element.
2: So how much of this is make sure this works right, and how much of this is make sure this doesn't work? I mean, do you have a sense of that? Or is that it, it's probably not a fair question, but
3: it's. I mean, it's not really a fair question because you. I mean, the motivations obviously behind what they're saying of we're going to protect people's privacy. Those are you know legitimate concerns right. to a certain extent, um, but the timing of it. And the extent of what he's requested the agency to do um, in terms of how rigorous these new regulations are going to be makes it pretty clear that this is a political move.
0: Meanwhile, there are some people in the state that still don't have insurance.
3: Oh, yeah. We once again ranked that the highest for uninsured people. Um,
2: We're the highest in number and yeah, percentage, right?
3: Yeah. No, I think California has a little bit more number-wise because their population is so much bigger than ours. Right. But, I mean, I was looking at the numbers today that the census put out with the American Community Survey, and we have the most children under um, – of the poverty line that don't have insurance. We have the highest percent of adults under 138% of the poverty line that don't have health insurance, and that's 55% compared to um, the average in most states is 36% Uh of the really poor. Um, And these are all the people that would have qualified for Medicaid if we had expanded the program under the Affordable Care Act. Um, So this is a serious problem that Texas has to do something about. And the block grant that Perry has suggested, you know, could do a lot of good things to reform our Medicaid program. It could, you know, be a disaster, who knows. I can't predict that, but at the same time it's not going to do anything for these people that still don't have insurance.
2: Is the waiver that they're talking about similar to the waivers that they sought and didn't get under the Bush administration? Is it basically the same set of ideas or is this morphed into a completely different thing now?
3: Uh, I don't know how how different it is from okay. from that. I the block grant is basically we're going to get a lump amount of money right. so that we can do whatever we want with our Medicaid program. And what they say they want to do is they want to put some cost sharing elements in there so that we can have personal responsibility. Um, and that means deductibles, maybe premiums, maybe just some out-of-pocket costs, whether it's paying a dollar or five dollars to go see the doctor, just so people feel like it's a, you know important. Right. Is there
0: anything that Texas could have or should have done to bring down its percentage of uninsured people because it seems like if you're giving someone a block grant of money to uh, improve their insurance program and they seem to be among the states that is sort of uh, least likely to sort of with the least know-how when it comes to getting people insured is that at all a problem? Well the Perry, I, I think the Perry
2: administration is saying you know if you'll let us run our own program it'll be more efficient we'll cover more people with the same amount or less money you know test it let's try it um, so far the federal government said no we don't want to do that you know i guess we're asking again that's kind of well, why i was on asking a
3: political level it's saying you know so many people in america are unhappy with federal health reform you're forcing them to purchase insurance let us show you what the states can do because we can do it better right. and that's always been texas and it's always been perry's angle on all of this and it's just been you know he hasn't actually put his put it out on the table in the way by saying that we're actually going to go for it. He's just kind of, It's been rhetoric so far, and now it's going to turn into a policy battle.
0: we a laboratory of democracy. There you go. Right. I'm, at, I'm at the podcast. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Evan was going to do a pitch for the Texas Tribune Festival, but he stepped out. And then he left. Yeah.
2: So the Texas Tribune Festival is coming up. Evan knows all the prices and stuff, <laughs> and so does our website, uh, which, will, which will save you. I think you can get in... If you if you're hearing this probably on Wednesday afternoon we're putting this up this afternoon Wednesday afternoon or Thursday, mm. uh, if you buy a ticket before the end of the day Friday I think it's cheaper than if you buy it on Saturday. So um, hurry! And
3: it's worth it no matter what. That's, that's right.
2: It's, it's worth it either way. That's exactly. Can you hear right. us talk uh, more about it. The, the, <laughs> the festival's a week away. It's the last <laughs> weekend of the month. Um, Ted Cruz on Friday. A whole bunch of individual and panel conversations yeah, I mean, all what, through the day on Saturday. It's all are you here guys in Austin. Doing? Um, I'm going to interview David Dewhurst on stage for an hour and then Greg Abbott on stage for an hour. That ought to be fun.
3: I'm going to be talking about implementing health care reform and Medicaid expansion. So more on what awesome. we've been talking about today. A
0: little preview. <laughs> I'm talking to the attorney general candidates and uh, a conversation with Senator Kirk Watson and Wallace Hall, who is the first non-elected individual to be uh, have impeachment proceedings uh, considered against him in the state's history. Right, that'll be a lot of fun. So, Reeve, Reeve Hamilton with Fight Club. That'll be great. And then we also we're also having a live we're having a live Tribcast on uh, the Sunday after the festival's over at the KUT studios. So you can email Tribcast at texastribune.org if you want more information on that, or if you have questions or comments about anything and everything. I think Is that enough of a pitch? Are yeah. you guys convinced? Come to the festival? Yeah, go look um, at our website There's a bunch great. of stuff on it um, The 27th see, to the
2: 29th You can see the agendas
0: And the prices And all of that kind of stuff That would be pretty great you're lucky You might even get to see Shiny Ribs Who does the music For our podcast here and Find out if they really are shiny yeah. <laughs> On behalf of Becca, Ross, and Todd And Evan and absentia This is Reeve Thanks for listening just talking
1: yes what is a girl what does a girl have to do to have her voice heard in the podcast? <laughs>